2: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you all for listening with us today. I'm glad that you're here joining us on the Spirit of Recovery. And thank you also for your comment on Facebook. Thanks for liking us on the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook and for uh, letting me know how it's going for you in your recovery. World and in your spiritual growth. Uh, It's great to know that what we're doing here is making a positive impact, it's giving you some new ideas and inspiration to uh, participate deeply in uh, recovery. And that's great for me to be broadcasting here on Unity Online Radio on the topic of spirituality and recovery. Every week we have topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. We have people that are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And we bring you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. And, of course, you know that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live. You can listen through your computer. You can listen t- through your smartphone. Um, you can also listen to archives, which are on demand, at unityonlineradio.org slash program slash recovery. The spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, and if you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or friend of someone that has the disease of addiction, whether or not you or they are in recovery, and you're looking for information, or if you're somebody that simply wants to learn more about the process of recovery, Spirit of Recovery welcomes you to participate uh, in our discussions. You're welcome to uh, send a comment via email or to phone in a comment or a question for our guest. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction And over 30 years ago, those relationships uh, propelled me into active involvement with a path of my own personal recovery and involvement um, in a program of spiritual development as a person who is the friend and family member of those that have this disease. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles. And that walk does continue to transform my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So I am very grateful, um, delighted and honored to have the opportunity to share these wonderful guests with you and to also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. And so today the topic is setting the stage for recovery. My guest is Lynn Bratley, MED. She's the director and the artistic director and the founder of Improbable Players. And Improbable Players is educational theater for substance abuse prevention. You know, when we see ourselves in other people's stories, it brings up connections, and that awareness uh, helps us to identify with the humanity of people, with the possibilities, and also with the challenges. So, uh, my guest, Lynn Bradley, saw that possibility years ago about um, how she could, through the dramatic arts, bring stories of addictions. Stories of recovery to people in all walks of life and thereby bring hope and inspiration. Lynn, um, as I said, is the founder and director of Improbable Players. This is a nonprofit organization. And since 1984, she has hired, trained, and coached many actors and teaching artists. She continues to develop new performances and curriculum guides, and she builds relationships in the health and the theater communities. Lynn earned her B.A. in Drama from the University of Washington in Seattle and her M.E.D. in Theater Education at Tufts University. In 2003, the Tufts Graduate School of Arts and Sciences presented her with the Outstanding Career Achievement Award. And in June of 2011, she was inducted into her high school's uh, Hall of Fame, and that was uh, Washington Park High School in Racine, Wisconsin. And also, I found out after I had already invited Lynn to be my guest, that Lynn is a Daily Word reader and has been many years. and Daily Word is the inspirational uh, daily magazine that Unity has published for many, many years. So, Lynn, welcome to Spirit of Recovery.
3: Thank you, Anna. It's so nice to be Uh, With you, and thank you for the uh, lovely introduction. And yes, I do uh, read the daily word. I wouldn't go without it. It's really important to me. And I'll have to just say one thing: it's not. No one asked me to plug the daily word, but it so often is absolutely perfect for the day that I read it. It just um, it speaks to me. Yeah, great.
0: Yeah, that's true. I certainly find that Uh, absolutely. So. Um, uh, tell us about how you got interested in starting The Improbable Players. What propelled you to do that?
3: Uh, it was the fact that I'm a theater artist and have been. I um, My undergraduate degree is in theater. And I've always been in plays and been in the theater my whole life. And when I uh, got sober in 1984... I started to go to 12 step meetings and I listened to the stories and I saw the stories I visualized the stories that people were telling I found them so fascinating and if you've ever had the fortune to attend a 12 step meeting you know that sometimes you're laughing and sometimes you're crying and you're always um it's always engaging and I thought Wow, these feel like uh, these feel like plays to me. I saw them as plays. So my background and my sort of frustration of why didn't as I listened to the stories, why didn't I know any of this before? Uh, why I just knew nothing about addiction and recovery while I was drinking, and because there I was, drinking at home in my closet. How could I know much of anything about anything? So my urge was to find others to work with and to stage the story so that we could teach teach people about addiction and recovery, especially kids, so they wouldn't have to go through what I went through.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did you get, uh, once you got the idea and, and wanting to share this information, that you wish you had. How did you get it going? Did you look for other actors, or and how was it difficult?
3: Well, even while I was drinking, I was uh, I was in children's theater, and <laughs> in a sort of a strange way, that it worked for me to be in children's theater because those plays are during the day, and my drinking time was five o'clock. So I had been working with um, some different theater companies and one group was very interested in my story when I got sober and uh, they wrote a grant to to, uh, create a a video about a family uh, who there were some alcoholics in the family and people suffering from addiction and we got together to create this uh, story and and after it was over and the video was done, there were some of us who said, we should take some of the scenes that we improvised, sort of the cutting room floor stuff, and see if we could present them someplace. So I already had been working with, I, they had asked me, this, this, this theater group asked me to find other people who might like to work on this video. And I already had gathered a a group around me of uh, three or four other people. So we took the scenes from the cutting room floor and we took them to a, a teen conference uh, that the North Shore Council on Alcoholism was sponsoring. And that was the whole beginning of the Improbable Players. We were still working on the scenes when the audience was coming in, and then they introduced us and we did our scenes. And the, it was really, um, it was. It was very popular instantly. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And I think one of the reasons that it was was that we made a decision right from the beginning that we were going to tell our stories, that Mm -hmm. we weren't just going to do scenes that might have happened that came from our lives, but that after the scenes were over, that we would say to the audience, "Um, my name is Lynn, and I'm an alcoholic, and then we uh, would tell our tell our stories, and we would invite the audience to ask questions. so that's been the model of the program since the very beginning.
0: So how does that add to that when you when you do that at the end, you kind of come out of the actor role and you are yourself telling your recovery story what how does that have an effect?
3: Well, it's what makes it's the addiction is what makes us improbable in the first place, and it's such an integral and important part of our program. In fact, when students respond on a on a feedback form, that's most often the most popular part. They like the play, but they really like hearing the actors' real stories, and then they really extra like being able to ask any question that they want to and get an honest and caring answer from the actors. But the plays all the, the plays start out with the actors saying right at the beginning that they are people who are in recovery from addictions. So the kids know the audience knows whatever age the audience is. They know right from the beginning. Then they see the play, and then the actors tell the stories.
0: Mm -hmm. Are they um, surprised to know that you are people who are, as people in long-term recovery, that you're doing well and so forth, but that also that you were people that had the disease of addiction? Does that surprise them that there is hope, that there's recovery, or not? how do they respond to that?
3: Well, often uh, a comment is, I didn't know that alcoholics or drug addicts could look like you or me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's kind of the point. Uh, our first play uh, that we, that the Improbable Players start with, once we were over that first um, conference that we did, we we put some of our scenes together and created a story. And the name of the play that has that story in it is called I'll Never Do That. And it has the story of a, a family and what happens in the family when one of the family members is drinking. But that play starts out with... Um, if in a school or anywhere with someone, an authority figure, saying uh, the improbable players are now going to present a program about alcohol and other drug abuse. And our actor comes out from the back of the auditorium and walks down the aisle saying, oh, no, oh, no, not another thing about addiction. Oh, my gosh, haven't we heard enough about this, Mr. Principal? Or Mr. Introducer or Miss Introducer, why don't you go have a cup of coffee and we'll take over from here and Of course, by this time, the younger audiences are hooting and hollering and then the um the m c says well our, one of our actors says, well who are these people? Where do they come from and they, he dresses up or she dresses up like you know like a trench coat and an old hat. And then, is this what what an alcoholic looks like? Or maybe they look like this. And the actors come down from the back of the auditorium all dressed in silly costumes and looking, you know, like any matter of person you might see on the street And when they come up on stage. Is this what an alcoholic looks like? Or do they look like this? And then they take off their costume and say, I don't know what you think most alcoholics and drug addicts look like, but my name is lynn and and I'm an alcoholic and down the line, so they know so it's a it's it's noisy, noisy, noisy as the actors come down from the back, but as soon as they say these words, the audience is just silent from the for the rest of the program, except when they're laughing, of course, which we hope they do a lot of but it's uh um, it's quite—it's um, quite a way to capture attention because it's such a kind of a surprise and a shock.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really moving when you're telling that. I get in tears in my eyes. It's like wow, mm-hmm. how profound! You know, it's a way mm-hmm. to really bring it home. Absolutely, because mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. they don't expect it, and the actors are people who are in long-term recovery which means that they have, you know, bright eyes and and they're 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 living lives of gratitude and so anyone who's living like this looks good. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. What kinds
0: of uh questions or comments do you tend to get uh when after the play when you give open it up?
3: Um Depends on what the age of the audience is, uh, middle school students might say, "Where did you get the money to buy your beer?" <laughs> and <laughs> they want to know the specifics you know how did you do it and Of course, it's our job to to be as um as informative as possible without teaching something that we don't want them to learn so um you know it. And high school kids might say, um, did you have to go to rehab? Or what? did you get into a car accident? Or did you ever hurt anyone? Or um, what's it like being in recovery? The questions are really quite amazing, I think. Uh, good questions, good, thoughtful questions. And um, we answer. Each question as honestly as as uh, as we can, mm-hmm. and as we you know appropriate to the to the age of of the audience.
0: Do um do do you does it tend to the students tend to be relating to it from their own perspective or maybe from a parent or an older sibling or a sibling perspective? Oh, I'm seeing my parents do this or whatever or. or. Can you tell from what they're saying?
3: Mm, I think the teachers can, which is why it's so important for teachers to be in the room and to listen to the questions because they learn a lot about their students from the questions that are asked. Um, I think that in many ways we help more young people who are, might be living in a family where there's addiction because, and sometimes I think I wish I had been able to see the improbable players when I was growing up. In my family, my father and mother both drank, and my dad tended to, I don't know whether he's an alcoholic, only he would be able to decide that, but he was, he was the problem drinker in my life, and But I never told anyone, and I never talked about it with anyone, because what would I say? I wouldn't know what to say or who to tell about that. But if I had seen The Improbable Players, I might have had a moment where I would say, oh, oh, this is what it's called. You know, it's called Mm -hmm. addiction. It's called alcoholism. People... Change. They're not how they usually are when they're not drinking. They might say things.
0: Hold mm-hmm. that, they that thought. It's time for our break. Okay. And, um, I will. We'll, be, we'll take a break. Listeners, stay with us. My guest is Lynn Bradley, and we're talking about setting the stage for recovery with the improbable players. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now.
1: a state of change, a period of transition, perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, The Coach's Coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with a championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Catrell Ross, The Coach's Coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My guest is Lynn Bradley, and our topic is setting the stage for recovery. We're talking about Improbable Players, which is the company that Lynn founded and that she is the artistic director of. Uh, The Improbable Players are educational theater for substance abuse prevention. They uh, tell stories using the dramatic arts to um, high school students to middle school students to other audiences to health uh, professionals and so forth to help people identify with the stories of addiction and recovery and know that indeed there is hope, that there are uh, ways through this. If you'd like to learn more about Lynn and Improbable Players, uh, you can go to their website. It's www.. Improbableplayers.org And that's I-M-P-R-O-B-A-B-L-E Players.org Improbableplayers.org And you'll find out lots of great information. They get around and get a lot of recognition and do a lot of wonderful work. Before Lynn and I get back to our conversation, I invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute, which is a moment to relax, to share with me a constructive idea, and to take just a moment in the quiet, and make that conscious contact with your higher power. So I invite you to relax, to be aware of your breath, to let that breath relax you from the crown of your head all the way through your body temple, to allow your mind to relax, and share with me this constructive idea. I find my authentic self full of hope, full of life energy, as I relax and make this connection with my higher power I find my authentic self full of hope full of life energy as I connect with my higher power and now I invite you to relax for a moment in the quiet with the serenity minute Thank you, friends, for joining me with for the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity, however brief, to make conscious contact with your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Lynn Bratley, the founder and artistic director of Improbable Players, and we're talking about setting the stage for recovery. So, Lynn, before the break, you were uh, talking about the idea that you're um, in your family when you were growing up uh, there at least was um, active drinking going on and that it might have helped you if you could have seen something um, like the improbable players and, and understood some things. So what, what is it that you think the improbable players uh, does for the students, the middle school and high school students that see it, that helps them maybe with their family situations?
3: Well, I, I think that they can see that they're not alone. That addiction happens in families. It's not their fault. Um, they didn't cause it. They can't control it. They can't cure it. Actually, one of the characters even says that. He said, "I thought it was my fault." Uh, so they learn. They learn a lot of the concepts uh, about uh, about recovery and about even detaching in a situation like that. And we always make sure that the guidance counselors are in the room and introduce, uh, come up to the front and invite the students to come to visit them and talk about anything that they might have um, been feeling during the program and um, we make sure that the teachers have a discussion guide, so that some, so that these things can be processed and talked about. I mean, addiction so, is a family; it's a family disease, as we learn, and I feel that it's a, that we provide this service in 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 helping people be able to visualize this from the story on stage.
0: Hmm. That yeah, that's a real uh, incredible resource that really makes a lot of difference. It sure does. It sure helps uh, young people to start knowing early on, you know what what might be happening in their families. So tell us about the actors. How do you how do you find people? And you've been doing this since 1984. So have you kept the same people all along, or how does that work? And
3: how well, do you That develop? would have been my ideal is to have the same people stay on forever and ever, because every group that I get, and each, each of our plays is a four-person play, usually two men and two women. But people have career moves and geographic moves, and they come for a while, and some come for a long time, even 15 years, some people, and some people can only stay with us for a season or less. Um, primarily word of mouth, Primarily networking is the best way we've tried putting ads in. But if you're not in recovery, you don't know, must be in recovery. You don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have such a high caliber of uh, young people who are working for the improbable players now. I have, um, many have their degree in theater some of our are even their masters in in theater education so they're um, they come to the improbable players because they so much want to give back because they love their recovery and they love their their talent in theater or music and and uh, if you want to see some of their responses, uh, could check the website on the actor page, there's a lot of actor interviews. It's just um uh, it's pretty exciting being an improbable player. It's it's a lot of fun. And even though um we know for our for ourselves that in a in a lot of ways we're not courageous people. We're people who um admitted we were powerless, but audiences See us as courageous that we would uh, stand up in front of them and say that we're alcoholics and drug addicts who are in recovery. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do the actors help create the plays? Is that how does that work? How do you begin a to, you know develop a new play, carry it through? How does that all
3: work? It it actually usually starts uh, with uh, teachers. We had been doing I'll never do that for many for many years, and they came to us and they said, "We want to have you back every year, but we don't want the same play." Do you have anything about peer pressure? So that's how our play Running on E got developed, and uh, the name of it came from one of the actors who said after a rehearsal, "She said I'm running on E," and she meant empty, but said, oh, there's the name of the play. Um, but the stories come from the actors' lives and are pieced together to create a dramatic um, through line or dramatic story. Mm-hmm. It's just come up, actually, today I had a conversation with one of our New York actors, and they did a program, um, and the teacher said, uh, can do you have anything about um um uh, what uh, bullying and how that's affected by addiction? Do you have anything about the way that kids kind of are abusing their computers and how is that connected to addiction so he said could we we'd like to do some um rehearsals down here in New York and come up with some new scenes so then that's it bubbles up. And it's like we just c- can't not do it. And the, and there's a as as we've all been reading, there's a crisis around uh, prescription drugs and opioids and pills, and this has bubbled up. And so the Boston Cast has been interviewing young addicts who are in recovery and and hearing how their story happened. I can't write that story now because my my story was you know drinking wine in the closet I have none of these street experiences so as it bubbles up we you know we have to we have to get together we have to write the stories
0: so i um, i saw again on your website this what you're talking about now the play about the prescription drug abuse that mm-hmm. you are looking for um, young people who have experienced that who are now in recovery and talking to them and getting their stories so how do you find them and are they willing do they want to do this or how does that work
3: oh very much in fact um, one of the board members said you should interview my son he's got a an amazing story so and so we did and um, <laughs> And then one leads to another. One, another one of uh, my teachers said, I, "I know this man whose daughter," and so we interviewed her, and and some of our actors actually have that experience. So we're bringing them, we're bringing their stories together and creating a a new piece. I don't know that it will be a through line play, but um, this is also called applied theater, where you take realistic stories and. Dramatize them.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, obviously, it, it really comes, as you're saying, it bubbles up and it, it really comes out of people's lives. So it's 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 a neat circle, like listening to stories and and creating a dramatic way of giving them back and like creating circles almost.
3: hmm Mm-hmm. And then creating educational materials <laughs> around them and. Uh, field-testing the scenes with students, with teachers, and, um, and then consolidating them, and then we have a new play. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of... Um, the Improbable Players uh, not only do performances, but we work with schools to do theater workshops with their students. And not just theater students at all. In fact... Um, health classes are great because we find out what what's the issue with them, what's going on in their community, what are they concerned about, and those are the ideas that we take. So our theater workshop curriculum is right down the middle. It's not only education about addiction recovery issues, but it's it's education about acting. And they really work together nicely because when you're talking about creating a scene or doing a scene um are the actors focused are they looking at each other how do you, do you believe that they really are who they are pretending to be and so it's um um uh, it's really fun to do these workshops because the, the the students write scenes and monologues that just would knock your socks off they know a lot
0: it's almost like a it's it's not a therapeutic theater in in the strictest sense or gestalt theater or therapy but it's it's so close it's wonderful it's like uh you're finding a vehicle so i i would imagine that uh people acting and uh kind of end up quote doing a lot of their own emotional work in the midst of this does that happen
3: well i don't know that and in fact i'm glad you mentioned that because we We don't do psychodrama. We don't do therapy. We're not therapists. We're theater artists who are people who are in long-term recovery. So when we ask them for what they're concerned about, what's going on in their community, we say uh, we make a list of the things that they hate that happen because of alcohol and drugs in their community. But it can't be from their life. Not Mm -hmm. from your life. Don't mention anything from your life. But once they... What they might pick is something like, I hate it when parents spend their money on drugs instead of on their kids. The scene that's created, of course, is very heartfelt and very human and very deep uh, and full of feeling. But it's they can say, well, you know, I, I heard about that. It's not mm-hmm. for my life because it just has to be safe like that.
0: Sure. So there's a, a creative distance, or a
3: yes, mm-hmm. yes.
0: Mm-hmm. How are the actors uh, that participate, the adult actors that are in your companies, um, affected by doing this work?
3: Oh, they love it. They love it. It's like the highest kind of satisfaction. It's like the new high for them. It's uh-huh. just, uh, it's just um, joyful. It's it's uh it's it's very joyous for them.
0: Yeah, because it that's... all
3: it always ends the same way with them being able to tell their story of um their long-term recovery.
0: Mhm. Mhm. How many uh actors do you have? And you said so you've mentioned two companies, so you have two different companies and um
3: Yeah, I have um about 16 more. I'm trying to count the pictures. They all have their headshots on the wall of the office here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. they're actors. There's a troupe in New York and there's a troupe in Boston. And each play that we do has um, at least two or three people know it so that if if someone gets a job, say, acting in a movie, they can they can have their understudy do that where there's another person that knows that part
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for my listeners benefit do you um, go all over the country or do you mostly present locally up in in the northeast US or uh, how would my listeners be able to see or a uh, play or not um?
3: well we're we are heavily in the northeast in Boston and New York but we do travel and uh, I think the last Really long trip we took was to San Antonio for a, for a conference, for an adult conference about health um, health education. So we travel all over, uh, and we sometimes will send um, one actor. I've been around to many um, venues teaching people how to start their own troupe in a way, their own educational troupe. So, we're prepared to do that also
0: great, so you help people establish um companies in their own areas if if they want to and
3: if they wanted to do that, yes,
0: mhm, great are there uh some that you have felt like are are still going that you've helped other people start, or do you keep in touch with them or
3: oh um I'm not. I did go, At least, the Improbable Players used to have a troupe called The Next Generation, and you had to be sober and over 65 to be in that troupe. And they went all over. I had five actors in that troupe, uh... They went to the AARP conferences and Aging with Dignity conferences, and they came hold out. That, also- hold that thought.
0: That's great. Well, we got time for a break. Listeners, stay with us. We're talking about uh, setting the stage for recovery with my guest, Lynn Bradley, and the Improbable Players. We'll be right back.
1: Looking for the spiritual in your everyday life? Searching for meaning in the meaningless... Check out the book Rants to Revelations by Reverend Ogun Holder. Using his characteristic wit, humor, and storytelling, Reverend Ogun brings spiritual insight into practically every arena of human life. From issues of spiritual growth and family life to deep theological concerns about God and reality, he combines personal narrative with philosophical and scientific understanding to bring a fresh perspective into the life of faith in today's postmodern world. Pick up a copy of Ramster Revelations today from www.RamsterRevs.com.
2: Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message. Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're talking about setting the stage of recovery Um, With Lynn Bradley, who is the founder and the artistic director of Improbable Players, and this is a troupe of people that do educational theater for substance abuse prevention. And you can learn more about them at improbableplayers.org. So, Lynn, before the break, you were telling us about a a troupe that you helped to uh, you coach them, I guess, train them, or help them to get started. Called the Next Generation, but you had to be over sixty-five. Mm-hmm. And so, who were they? Who were they presenting for?
3: Who were they working? They presented at senior centers and uh, AARP conferences all over the United States. They presented at the UN one time. They just uh, people were so intrigued by this group of lively, funny, and uh, totally um, sober, long-term sobriety. That um, they were magical, but they stopped wanting to travel. They said, "No, we don't want to go to Hartford. It's too far." And eventually, that troop disbanded. But um, it was sure fun working with them.
0: Yeah, that, what a what an idea! I love it. Um, how does spirituality play a part in what you do? Because spirituality is so much a component in a lot of. Uh, 12-step recovery and, and so forth. Obviously, there are other ways that people recover beyond the 12 steps, but I would imagine this comes up one way or the other. How is spirituality a part of what you do, and how do you navigate that?
3: Um, I know that there are many paths to recovery. I know that, and I've witnessed it. My sister uh, took a different path other than a 12-step program, but I have found with the improbable players that um, a 12-step background is just, um, it just makes all the difference in the world because of the spirituality and because of the gratitude and because um, we're used to telling our stories. Uh, Of course, we as improbable players never, ever mention Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or any of the twelve step programs which just it's against the traditions and it's just it would never never be done um, and so I feel that that's a whole piece of the training that I don't need to do. I might teach people how to play a part or how to tell um, or how to answer a question that they might not know how to answer for a middle school, say, for example. But I don't have to mess with that because it's kind of built in. It's kind of built into people as part of their recovery. Does that make any sense? Yeah.
0: Let me see if if I can understand it a little more clearly. Uh So is it so, for example, I'll just ask, and you can say, no, that's not what they do, or it is. But so when somebody's telling their story after the play, when one of the actresses, and they uh, do they say anything about, I had a spiritual awakening, or I participated with a group of people that helped me uh, find a higher power, or, or not? Or how do they frame that?
3: Um, Occasionally, I, I try not to control what they say in their story, their own story. Um, and they mostly might say I got a, he- a lot of help from a lot of people,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: I have to say I went I went with an actor to a uh, to one of the small group discussions. Sometimes the question and answer and the discussion part of it happens in the auditorium or in the large room, wherever the performance is. But a lot of times it's held in small, smaller classrooms or smaller rooms and. Uh, one of the students actually asked that question to the actor and they said, How do you how do you stay sober? And uh the actor said, Um, I I pray. I ask God for help every day and those kids just spontaneously gave him a round of applause. Huh. So and I'm so I'm glad that he did it. But I leave it up to the actor whether they do that or not whether they bring up any kind of spirituality. A character might do that, but um and the actors often do, but it's it's definitely built into them as people. I can tell you that from having rehearsed with them and worked with them and seen them go, go through the things that they go through and how well they handle it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um so it's like you see them, they, they may not necessarily, as part of the performance or whatever, talk about the word God so much, but they you see them exhibiting the spiritual qualities. Is that sort of what you mean? Like That's
3: exactly what I mean. That's, that's exactly it, yes. And you can just tell someone who's, you can just look, you can see how they behave and how they handle situations that ordinarily would have baffled them and how they people can go through them very smoothly because they have the the tools of the program and sponsors and and um you know and and, and in a, in a way it's not my business but in a way I can just tell that it is it's not a requirement <laughs> to be an improbable player
0: mhm yeah that's great so I know as as well as working with um doing the presentations at schools and so forth, you also do presentations at professional conferences where there are adults that are treatment and other mental health professionals and health professionals so tell us about some of those and the responses that you get
3: i've I myself have done one woman presentations at recovery at recovery centers, and I think it's um I can tell by the questions and the response that it's very moving to for people to see that you know I just sometimes you don't want to get sober because you feel like what's my life is going to be empty there's nothing there's gonna be nothing to do, and I think we bring a lot of hope um to that population i've I've performed in prisons, and it's the same thing there's so much. Hope that you bring as a recovering person. Um, we were we performed at the Harvard Medical School treating the addictions conference last year, and uh, people wrote down their thoughts. I just I'll read you uh, one person's response, which I liked. She said, uh, or he, absolutely incredible, powerful, moving, hits you like a thunderbolt. If you have lived through anything like this, you need to be warned about how incredibly deep this little program is. <laughs>
1: People
0: uh-huh. like
3: the experiential kind of learning, and um, and found it a, a very refreshing way to teach people about a, a addiction recovery issues. So we can't measure the results of our program by a test that says, "No, I, you know, after I saw this program, I never picked up a drink." But we can measure the results of this program by the. Really insightful and um, warm comments that we get on response forms even from adults and from and from uh, young people and from teachers so um, I have a lot of the student response on um, on the website if people want to look at that
0: Mm-hmm. and I know you got a grant um, a couple of years ago to to develop some ways to document how the effectiveness of the plays and workshops. So, do you do that through your questionnaires? you do some qualitative uh, research, collecting comments and stuff? Or, what we, did always you come up
3: ple- we always uh, gather comments because it's important for us. As I said, that's where we find out if uh, teachers, for example, would like to know, like, why could you do Could you? Do a presentation about this or that or the other thing but um so everything that we collect is qualitative. we don't have any we don't do any counting uh, for better or for worse we did get a grant to to uh see if we to see if we could be a, an evidence based pr- program but mm-hmm the way that it, the the questionnaire was designed and everything i i was kind of relieved on to be honest that we that we didn't go that route cuz i don't we don't i don't think that there's any way that you can measure except that the students are absolutely silent that's that's a big requirement for education is that that the student is listening if you're listening, then you have a chance to hear something. If you hear it, you have a chance to act on it. And and the, and the feedback form, the response forms, and the invitation from the guidance counselor. I feel that there are a lot of, and the guidance counselor can say, we had a lineup of kids wanting to talk to us after the program. I think these things are very powerful indications that the improbable players are having a, a, a good effect on student population, gets kids talking, fits into the curriculum where they needed to fit in, um, and makes a difference.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Lynn, how is your yeah. life different now because you decided to do this back in 1984 <laughs> than it would have <laughs> been if you'd have said, no way, I'm not doing that. I'm going to Broadway. Forget it. <laughs>
3: Oh, I was never Broadway bound. I was always, uh, my, my background is education. And so I have a passion for teaching. And this is, um, the Improbable Players has been a gift of my sobriety. Totally a gift of my sobriety. And, and because in my higher power and how I was guided to do this. And, and now it's, um, I, I, I don't know who said it. Don't, don't leave before the miracle sta- starts, and um, I just feel like that's my tenacity. Is you know, I'm now I just have a whole new group of young people that are are working with improbable players as program managers, as salespeople, and they they have a passion for getting it out there, and so. The first thirty years is just the tip of the iceberg, and by the way, next October will be our thirtieth anniversary, but wow. we haven't even begun to um, to to discover the possibilities of uh teaching people through arts and theater
0: mm-hmm. what's next do you think uh what's the next horizon with for this
3: i'd love to have a documentary that could um that could Go out as well as improv as well as live shows. I think the live shows are really exciting and important. Um, maybe um, so that I'd like to have a documentary and be a national company if possible. There's a lot of people in recovery around the United States who I think would just love to be part of a program like this.
0: I think so. Lynn, thank you so much for being my guest today and you, and thanks for the work that you and the improbable players are doing. It's absolutely incredible and um, just so welcomed and and wonderful. So thank you so much.
3: And it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for listening with us today on Spirit of Recovery. Have a beautiful week. Know you're in my prayers, and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. God bless.
2: Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you're seeking? listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Inspiration only takes a moment we invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly."
2: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
3: Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm
1: Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition. And awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind, Body, Spirit FM podcast network or wherever you find your podcast.